following is a paid program. The opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the staff and management of Curtis Media Group. Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here along with Bill Alexander. Bill, good morning to you. How good are morning. you? Good morning, Jason. I'm doing great. Hope you have a, had a great week. Oh, it was it was fine. I'm, uh, I'm sort of sad the Olympics have kind of come and gone. Yeah, but, uh, but tonight you get Carolina Duke. That's right. That's right. Just a small little game, I guess. But uh, absolutely. Well, I know who you're cheering for. Yep, yep. I'll be I'll be cheering for the guys in blue. How about that? No, no. I'm a, I'm a Carolina guy. I'll be cheering for UNC. Um, but you know, this is just this is my favorite time of the year here with the uh, ACC tournament on the horizon and the NCAA tournament around the corner. It's a fun Ab- time of year. Absolutely. Well, uh, I. You might have read in the paper this week, uh, one of our local heroes, uh, Scotty McCrary, hit the charts at number one. That's right. Uh, this past week, which, uh, so we want to congratulate him. That's a huge milestone. Uh, uh, and just celebrity. wonderful that we have a celebrity in our crowd. And of course, he's a big NC State fan. He is. Uh, so um, He's a great guy. I know our friends over at 94.7 QDR were celebrating his uh, his accomplishment there. So yeah, it's, it's been his, a fun week. Well, you know, and that the song that he uh, 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 performs was all about his grandfather uh, called Five Minutes More. I think yeah. that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a wonderful song. And uh, so I... I can appreciate uh, how it resonates with so many of us uh, because, uh, but for a young person to be as mature as uh, Scotty is, uh, that that's truthfully uh, wonderful. I mean, it's great that I can call him Scotty. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's got his head on right. I think you're you're very keen to point that out that he hasn't gotten himself into trouble. He's he's made all the right moves. Absolutely, uh, wonderful family as well, and so we're very lucky to have their entire family in our community. Well, Bill, uh, you know, we start out the program. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and one of the things that we wanted to do today is just kind of dive into. Okay, we we talk about asset protection all the time but you know what exactly is asset protection to you know someone who may not be familiar with what we do uh, well uh, actually it, that that is a pretty good because you know um, uh, when when you just say that you do estate planning and asset protection and elder law that doesn't really mean much uh, and I think folks who've listened to this show for very long have a pretty good sense of the kind of planning that we do at WG Alexander and Associates, uh, or at least for me, Bill Alexander. Um, but if I try to to narrow it down to a very short statement in terms of what we do, uh, at our firm, at our law firm, we truly save middle-class families from financial ruin due to outrageous long-term care costs through getting government assistance for our clients while protecting their property. Uh, Now, all of our clients enjoy controlling their own legacy. Mm -hmm. That's really important. While we help reduce their income tax, eliminate any estate tax, and importantly, protect their homes, their farms, and their wealth for their spouse, their children, and grandchildren. 
So in just a real short and sweet statement, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that all sounds good to me. And I think the, uh, uh, the long-term care portion that you mentioned there is important because, as, as we've discussed on the program before, that is uh, catastrophic. It is. Uh, f- folks just don't know how expensive it is to, be, to, to have to pay for long-term care until it happens to them. It's, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, uh, you think buying a car is sticker shock. <laughs> Let me tell you, long-term care, and the problem with, with uh, a, a car or a truck is you eventually get it paid for. But, right. uh, <laughs> but with long-term care, it can go on and on and on and on. Um, and it's um, far more than the price of a vehicle each month, that's for sure. And uh, folks are just not prepared for it. And over half, over half of our seniors will experience a, a, a long-term care crisis. Um, and what, what that means is uh, three years or about three years on average in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are others who face um, maybe not the nursing home, but they need help at home, and that's expensive, or they need assisted living help, uh, and that can be just as expensive, sometimes even more expensive than nursing care. So, um, you know, it's pretty scary, and truthfully, it is extremely difficult for folks to get accurate information on how to get government assistance. And that's something that we provide in our seminars each month. Um, And it's, you know, I obviously encourage folks to come to these seminars. uh, And for those families who are in crisis or near crisis or think they could be subject to this crisis, they should come. I mean, they will learn. And what I tell folks is – I can teach them a whole lot in a couple hours uh, at a seminar because they cannot get accurate information by reading a book. They can't find out what they need to know about VA pension planning. They can't uh, find out what they need to know about Medicaid and how it works and all of the different Medicaid programs that are out there. Um, So that's something of what our seminar does. But, of course, in terms of our law office, we do far more planning than just this long-term care crisis planning. Uh, and don't let anybody tell you when it comes to long-term care that you have to do uh, irrevocable planning five years in advance. Yes, there is a five-year look back, but 99% of our clients are coming to us when mom's in the nursing home uh, in rehab getting ready to be discharged and they know they can't bring her home, that's crisis. Right. <laughs> They're getting ready to private pay. And uh, that's um, almost all of those families we can help in a significant way. And the sooner they come to us, the better off they are financially. It makes a huge difference in their lives. Um, and so, you know, that's a lot of what we do. But we do basic planning too, you know, from uh, folks who are younger, folks who have minor children. Um, uh, now we also do special needs planning uh, for our special children uh, that need, uh, you know, special planning, if you will. Um, and so we basically do everything from the simple to complex. But what's unique about what we do is that uh, we don't just do basic tax planning uh, because and and truthfully why uh, 
from my own perspective, now this is really self-serving, Jason, but why, <laughs> why go to a planner who doesn't understand senior issues? Right. I mean, who doesn't know whether Medicaid might be available or whether VA pension might be available and how you would structure your planning if you think you might need that help one day. Um, you know, it's, it's to me, you're, um, uh, you're missing out on that type of thinking and planning if you don't go to an advisor who has that kind of experience. And there are very few of us who actually can provide that additional level of experience. And the truth is you're not paying more uh, for having a greater level of knowledge and experience in terms of helping uh, each individual family plan because every family is different and you – you don't skin the cat the same way each time, <laughs> that's for sure. That's one reason I enjoy my practice so much. It's different with each client, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, and uh, you know, if if you are thinking of maybe you need some help in this area, just go to one of the free seminars every month. And, boy, if you're not sold after that, then, you know, I good well, luck. <laughs> well, for those families, now, the, that, that particular seminar is focused um, on – families uh, that are worried about long-term care costs Mm -hmm. uh, and what it does uh, in terms of devastating the the checkbook. Uh, And that's really important to most families. But, you know, it's almost like buying a car. You don't pay attention to the advertising uh, until you actually are in the market to purchase. Uh, right. you, you know, we're, we're deluged with everybody saying, come to us and buy. But we just ignore every bit of that until we're actually thinking about, well, you know, I need a new car or I'd like a, a newer car or, <laughs> or truck. You know, that's when we start paying attention. But uh, with planning, it's always uh, good to be well ahead of when you actually need it. That's what planning is that's right. sort of the definition of planning <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is that is the key and as we said if you want more information you can go to wgalaw.com that's wgalaw.com you can find out all about bill get a hold of him or register for a seminar and find as much information as you'd like to about wg alexander and associates we'll continue our conversation here in just a bit we're taking a quick break you're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander on news radio 680 wptf Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here alongside Bill Alexander. I say alongside. We're actually sitting across from each other. I feel like we're misleading the audience here, Bill. Uh, I hope not. Yes, we're, we're in the same studio here together, and we're, we're talking to you. And, Bill, uh, this is a, a, a pretty neat – you've got an interesting email. Well, I had a special request, and, and, and uh, you know, I would just tell folks to the degree that – um, that if there is a particular topic relevant to asset protection uh, that they would like for me to discuss, they're welcome to send an email to WGA at WGA law.com. And, uh, 
I'm happy to talk about it if I can. Uh, and I can talk about most topics. <laughs> I like right. to do that. That's we're fun taking, for me. We're taking requests on so asset protection So anyway, today. I had a special request to talk about the different ways a person can own property and the pros and cons of those different ways of ownership. And truthfully, it's uh, it, it that sounds like a um, a sort of a boring question, uh, but the truth is it's an important leg of our asset protection stool. You know, we, we talked about the fact that you have four legs, and we went into that uh, ad nauseum uh, a week or so ago. Uh, and, and so each leg is important in its own right. And how you own your property or the title to property is a huge part. Uh, and one, one thing that I enjoy talking about in my seminars briefly is the fact that for many married couples, their will and or their uh, trust doesn't work. And it doesn't work because of how they own their property. Title to, you know, in, in essence, this leg, title to property, is the key to making a plan work. So uh, and and so many folks do not understand that you can own property in ways that will um, ab- absolutely uh, trump your um, will or your trust. And and once you get that in your head, you understand uh, what I'm talking about. In essence, what can trump your will or trust? Well. A lot of folks um, have retirement accounts. Uh, in fact, most of us have retirement accounts. Uh, many of us have life insurance. Some of us have annuities. Well, all of those, uh, uh, you know, whether it's life insurance, annuities, which is another insurance type contract, or 401ks, 403bs, uh, IRAs, you know, all of the multiple types of retirement accounts out there, they all have a beneficiary designation. So guess what? The custodian pays the money to your beneficiary. Mm -hmm. They don't look at your will. They don't look at your trust. So that is a huge concept that people need to understand. Also, a lot of folks own their property joint with right of survivorship. Well, again, that's going to trump anything that's said in the will or trust because the bank or the brokerage firm will pay that to the survivor. It belongs to the survivor. Um, so, uh, and then then they those uh, uh, banks also have what's known as a TOD or a POD, excuse me, pay on death. Uh, and that's like a beneficiary designation. So if you sign one, your property is going to go by that designation and not by your will or trust. And then um, the same thing's true with brokerage houses. They have what's called a TOD, transfer on death, mm-hmm. and it works the same way. If you sign one of those, then your property is going to go by that uh, designation and not by your will or trust. Well, guess what? 
if you have a sophisticated will or trust that's important in terms of how you've arranged things to control property for the benefit of your spouse and children, if you don't own your property correctly, these other things can ruin your will or trust. So property ownership is extremely important in terms of uh, asset protection planning. It's extremely important in planning, period. And here's a secret that a lot of folks don't understand. Most attorneys never talk to you about how you own your property. Hmm. And that's really sad, particularly for married people, uh, because folks who are married tend to not own their property in a way to make uh, good planning work. And <laughs> and for seniors, that's especially true because for seniors, uh, one of the uh, benefits of good planning as a senior is the ability to create um, a testamentary trust that's totally protected. But if the spouse receives all your property directly through these rights of survivorship and PODs and TODs, you've just ruined that wonderful plan that you could potentially have for your spouse. So it, it makes a big difference. So I know I've been talking on and on, but um, maybe uh, when we come back in a moment that I can really get into the specifics of the different types of ownership. Excellent. We will dive right in right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him at WGALaw.com. Stick around. You're listening to News Radio 680, WPTA. News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. And Bill, we are talking all about uh, a cool email that we got from a listener asking about the different ways that mm-hmm. property can be owned or titled. And we're going to dive in. We're gonna okay. Head first. Let's we, go. We'll, we will indeed. And, um, you know, part of the question was the pros and cons of, of each type of ownership that you might have. And so uh, the, the first thing I have to say is, and, and this is the answer to many legal questions, it depends. Uh, and, you guys love that phrase. Uh, oh, we do. <laughs> it gets us out of trouble. But the bottom line is it really does uh, depend on your planning goals. It depends on the kind of planning you have in place. Uh, uh, it so there are a lot of factors that go into it, and everybody's different. Everybody has different different needs, uh, different kinds of property ownership, uh, those kinds of things. So, but knowing how it works with your plan is the key. So, okay, what's the simplest form of ownership? Well, it's individual outright ownership. I have something in my name alone. Uh, in other words, whether it's a vehicle, a bank account, brokerage account, real estate, it's in my name alone. I own it. Uh, that's the simplest form of ownership. Uh, and, um, you know, obviously, uh, if, if that's the way you own your property, then your property will go through your estate. And to the degree that you have a good plan, in your will, it will clearly work, (laughs) okay? Uh, And so if you have a plan that 
provides a trust for your spouse or a trust for your children. In other words, to give them some kind of asset protection or protection from spendthrift or protection from um, estate recovery or creditors or however you want to do it gives you an opportunity to to do something special for your spouse and or your children and grandchildren. Now, so uh, where do we go from there? Well, next would be joint ownership, which is very common with married people. Uh, and but it's I mean obviously you can have joint ownership with anybody you want to have joint ownership with. Uh, now simple joint ownership does not necessarily mean rights of survivorship. It simply means that either person in in the party has control over the entire account while both people are alive, and then when one person dies then half of that property uh, belongs to the decedent and half of whatever's left and uh, belongs to the survivor. Uh, now, you can own real estate that way. That's called tenant in common. Um, uh, you can own bank accounts that way uh, or brokerage accounts. However, in almost every instance, uh, unless unless you know to do it differently, uh, in almost every instance, the bank or the brokerage house is going to set up a joint account with rights of survivorship. So, And there's a big difference between just joint and joint with right of survivorship because the difference is, is that uh, when a person – when one of those folks dies, the decedent's estate doesn't get any of that money uh, or property. Uh, it goes to the survivor. You can also own real estate that way. So the survivor gets it outright. Now, with joints, uh, particularly with bank accounts and with brokerage accounts, even if it is right of survivorship, um, it is the property, at least half of the property in those accounts is subject to the creditors of the decedent. So if there are bills out there to be paid, they have to be paid. Um, and, and so that's – in other words, you don't escape paying creditors with those kinds of accounts. It, it doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, uh, then uh, uh, when it comes to real estate, you can also separate current ownership and later ownership. In other words, you can have what's called a life estate uh, uh, in real property with a remainder interest. In other words, upon my death, it goes to my children or my son or my daughter or my grandchild or whatever. Um, and so, but, so in real estate, you can actually separate the present interest and the interest at, at your death. Uh, that can be helpful in planning. Um, uh, although for those, a, a normal life estate, the person who has the life estate is in fact responsible for keeping the property up, uh, paying the bills, uh, those kinds of things, paying the taxes, paying the insurance, that's all required of the life tenant. Um, and, uh, obviously if there is a life estate, it can be sold if everybody agrees, but you have to have the remainder uh, folks, as well as the life tenant, agreeing on uh, the sale of property when when you have it. 
uh, that way. Uh, you can also own property through um, entities such as limited liability companies or corporations. Uh, now, a trust is not an entity, and I'll explain that, but if you own property through an LLC, even if the LLC owns real estate, you've basically converted your real estate interest into personality. Um, in other words, you own a share of the company. You don't. The company owns the real estate, and that's true for a corporation or an LLC. Um, so, so you've basically, uh, in essence, converted real estate ownership to owning uh, personal type property, mm-hmm. and and of course that is um, also dealt with differently by the courts as opposed to uh, real estate interests, which is can be important to folks. And then lastly, you can own a beneficial interest in property through trusts that you can create for yourself or you can create for your family. Uh, Now, the difference, and this is a a subtle difference because a lot of folks don't get it, but a trust is not an entity. It's a contract. Uh, it has it's a sophisticated contract. The trust rules have been around forever, uh, but you have a person who creates the contract, uh, and that's called different things by different lawyers. Uh, I like the term grantor or trust maker. Uh, you have the person who's given control of the assets. That's the trustee, and then you have the beneficiary. And in a revocable trust, you're all three. You, you create it, you name yourself as trustee, and you name yourself as beneficiary. And a husband and wife can do the same thing, either through separate trusts or joint trusts. Um, but the bottom line is, is that the trust is not an entity like a corporation. It's just a contract. It's a piece of paper. It's an agreement. Um, so a, a piece of paper can't own property. But a trustee can. So with any kind of trust, it's the trustee who actually owns the property. But it's not their property. A creditor can't take property away from a trustee for their personal debts, if you will, because they're holding property in a fiduciary capacity. It's just like in my law firm, I have a trust account where we hold property that belongs to our clients uh, for one reason or another until they, they're supposed to get it. Uh, it's not my property. If I get sued, they, the, the, they can't take away that trust account because it, it belongs to my clients, not to me. I'm only holding it in a fiduciary capacity. And that's the way it is with any and all trust agreements. And then the beneficiary is the person who reaps the benefits, whether it's the income of the trust, the principal or corpus of the trust, or both. And so, obviously, trusts uh, have a lot of advantages uh, to many, many families. Uh, And we do a lot of asset protection for spouses and children and grandchildren uh, through trusts. Now, sometimes we do it in a will, a trust in a will, Uh, That can be really important, particularly for seniors. Uh, And sometimes we do it um, not in a will. In other words, just a trust agreement, um, what we call a living trust. Sometimes it's irrevocable. Sometimes it's revocable. Um, So which 
planning option and how to own your property and how whether to use a beneficiary designation or how you use a beneficiary. Oftentimes with our beneficiary designations, it's not to a person. It's actually to the trustee of a trust that we've created, uh, either in the will or a, a living trust, a separate document. Um, uh, sometimes it makes more sense for it go to go to an individual. Um, and so it really, again, it depends on the circumstances of, of the family of which way is actually best or works makes their plan work best. Uh, and it, it differs from each and every family. Yeah, and that's why you said that you enjoy going to work every day because it's something a little bit different and every situation well, is unique. every client presents a little different puzzle to put together, and that is that is what makes our um, uh, the law practice fun for me. Yeah, and that's why you need this stuff tailored to you specifically, and if you need help with that, head on over to WGALaw.com, get a hold of Bill, and he'll help you out. That's what he does. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And, Bill, we've been talking about uh, different ways to hold property and ownership and pros and cons of. How you title things? Well, there's another uh, property that is really important to most married folks because it's very rare for married couples in North Carolina not to own their home, at least their home, if not all of their real estate, together. Mm -hmm. And in North Carolina, it's presumed that if both names are on the deed, unless you specifically say otherwise, uh, a married couple holds their real estate as what's called tenants by the entireties. Uh, Now, uh, for most folks, you just think of it as joint with rights of survivorship because what's important to most folks is that's how it works. You own it jointly. You can't sell it or mortgage it. uh, In other words, you can't borrow money against it without both people agreeing, both people signing uh, the documents. Um, in fact, um, well, and so let's just – now, what's different about tenants by the entireties? One of the nice differences is the fact that um, it, a creditor cannot um, attach your home unless they have a judgment against both husband and wife. In other words, if you just have a judgment against either one of them alone – the house is protected. You cannot attach it. And that's because of the tenants by the entireties. That's part of that. one of the differences in, uh, in real estate that's very, very helpful. Now, a few years ago, the state legislature uh, extended the benefits to a married couple of tenants by the entirety so that if they put their home or real estate into a trust agreement, they can retain the asset protection benefits of tenancy by the entirety inside their trust. And so that's helpful for folks to know as well, because under the old law, 
when you transferred your property into a trust, you lost that protection. Um, a lot of folks think you automatically get asset protection with any kind of trust. Not true at all. Revocable trusts generally do not give you any kind of asset protection. It just simply makes your creditor go through additional steps before they can get to your property. But most revocable trusts, at least the ones that are good, provide asset protection when for your family upon your death. And that's why they're so important to folks. Um, you know, they provide other things too, uh, you know, privacy, speed, you know, not having to go through the court system to distribute property at your death. Things like that are really important. But the asset protection pieces to any trust, to me, uh, are the most important uh, reasons why people uh, should have trust planning. I mean, the other pieces are nice, you know, reduced cost and speed and easy, ease and privacy are all nice. But it, when you can leave your legacy uh, in a protected trust for your spouse and children and grandchildren, that, that really is a, extremely meeting, meaningful. Um, so the, the bottom line is, is that uh, you can, you know, the way you own your real estate can be extremely important, uh, whether it's through trust or individually. And like I said, most married folks own their property. And that gives a, a spouse's peace of mind about their home because it basically means that when their spouse dies, they don't have to worry about who owns the house. It belongs to the survivor outright, 100%, no strings attached. <laughs> so that's a good thing for, for most families, particularly their primary residence. Um, uh, but, you know, everyone's needs are different in terms of how this works. And, of course, uh, it gets even more complex when uh, a spouse, uh, a, you know, a surviving spouse remarries and there's children by on both sides by previous uh, spouses and the like. Uh, of course, that can happen by divorce as well. But the bottom line is uh, that's a much more difficult uh, planning scenario for those folks. In other words, how do I protect my spouse and how do I protect my children and grandchildren? Um, and so how that works varies with each and every person, but it's important in terms of how that works. So again, how you own your property makes all the difference in the world. And, and for some folks, they can have property going a certain way to certain people through their will or trust and have other property going to other people through beneficiary designations, uh, you know, such as life insurance or retirement accounts. You know, I've seen lots of situations where folks, uh, they, their spouse doesn't need the retirement account, so they actually, through their beneficiary, leave the beneficiary uh, of their retirement accounts to their children or even to their grandchildren. Um, I've, uh, other, you know, you might have a situation where you have a second spouse, uh, and so the spouse gets property one way, with the, either by beneficiary designation or through the will or trust, and other, uh, uh, you know, children, grandchildren uh, get the property otherwise. So it it makes all the difference in the world how you do it. So title, you know, back to the beginning, the way you own title 
um, makes your planning work or makes your planning fail. And, and that's what's really important about it. Um, now, let me also mention, you know, I was talking about creditors. Well, let me talk about vehicles because a lot of folks don't realize that you can't – if you own your vehicles jointly, and unfortunately most people do, married people anyway, um, you can, can when you purchase the, the vehicle – Fill out an extra form at DMV to have rights of survivorship um, because vehicles uh, can be tricky for uh, people. Um, and a lot of times the surviving spouse doesn't even worry about getting their deceased spouse's name off the title because they're still paying their insurance. They're still paying their taxes. They're still driving their vehicle. And it's like, well, no harm, no foul. Uh, but then they realize that they can't sell the vehicle because they have to have the spouse's signature, and it's got to be notarized, and they're in the grave. So that doesn't work. Uh, or then the second spouse dies, and then the children have to open up two estates in order to be able to deal with the vehicle. So vehicles can really make things more complex if you don't do it right. Now, one of the – if you insist on having your, your vehicles owned uh, jointly, then I would recommend that you do right of survivorship form so that the survivor actually gets the vehicle upon the death of the first spouse. It's a no-brainer. But most people do not do that. So, you know, listen up, folks. <laughs> now, with that said, it's a bad idea to have your vehicle owned jointly, period. And the reason is you have more insurance coverage for each other if the primary driver of the vehicle actually is the sole owner of the, of the car. A lot of people don't realize that, but if, if uh, under North Carolina law, if you're a co-owner and your spouse is driving and they're negligent and you, they run into a tree and you are injured, if you co-own it, you cannot collect against your insurance company for your injuries because your ownership – now get this. You'll love this uh, – pres presumes that you have control over the vehicle that your spouse is driving. Now, okay. really, come on now. We all know better, but that's what the law of North Carolina is. So because a co-owner controls the driver, you cannot collect. But if, you're, if the driver solely owns the vehicle and you're the passenger and they're negligent and you're injured because of, of your spouse's negligent, guess what? You can, in fact, and should collect for your injuries through that insurance policy. It's now you can have the very same. I mean, in other words, you can have all of your policy. In other words, you, your husband owns the truck, you own the 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 Sunday uh, goat and beaten car, and uh, the the bottom line is uh, the, both vehicles can be under the same insurance policy. So that's uh, it doesn't. And then of course your home can be on that same um, you know this combined policies as well. So. 
it doesn't affect how much you pay in insurance, but it does affect uh, how much, you know, whether you can collect when your spouse is actually uh, negligent. So, you know, it's uh, so all those backseat uh, drivers uh, out there, you know, if you get injured, uh, if, if the driver actually owns the vehicle outright and you don't, then you can collect and otherwise you cannot. So it's important to know. That is very important, and that's a great tip. That's very good, Bill. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him at WGALaw.com. And, Bill, uh, uh, we're quickly running out of time here, but there's something important you wanted to get to before we head out today. Well, I had a second question from a listener that has to do with advice regarding using a power of attorney uh, when the the person who's given the power of attorney is not mentally incompetent. In other words, they still c- could um, change what they're doing, but they're making poor choices. They're not. They're they're just doing dumb stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so how does a power of attorney deal with that? Well, good question. It's a very difficult one. And, and again, it's going to vary f- from person to person. But the bottom line is, is typically if, if you have a power of attorney that's not contingent, and I don't like these, but a springing authority, it's not effective until they're actually in la-la land – then you're probably in trouble unless the person simply agrees that, yes, I I should allow you to do it and sign something to that effect. I don't like those kind of powers of attorney um, for financial purposes. But let's say you don't have a springing uh, power of attorney and you have one that's authority. You still have to be careful in terms of how you use it because – um, the person who gave you can revoke that power of, of attorney. So the key is, in, in terms of the advice, is basically to talk to them about uh, choices they're making. And, and it's all a, a matter of approach. And children sometimes really screw this up poorly because they come – uh, bounding in, Dad, you've made a horrible choice here. They've, they've been taking advantage of you. We need to come in and take control. And, you know, that is not what any senior wants to hear. So you got to get away from that. You basically have to approach it as how can I help you protect yourself and help you manage this where you can stay independent, stay in control, but I can help you avoid these problems. If, it's, if you approach it in a helpful manner and one where they stay in you know, tacit control, um, that's what they want to hear. And if you approach it the other way, they will run as far away from you as they can. They'll revoke your authority, and then, then you're really in trouble. Yeah. Communication and uh, approaching that with the right perspective is is very key. I want to remind everyone you can still catch Bill tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. on the CW22 with Money Secrets with Bill and Mike. This is a great opportunity for folks to get some more information from you, Bill. A lot of fun. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, if you want more information, you can go to WGALaw.com, and we'll be talking next Saturday at 11 all about the seminars coming up on the 14th of this or this month of March. Uh, be a great opportunity for you to find some free information from Bill. Be sure to join us next week. Thanks so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. The proceeding has been a paid program. The opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the staff and management of Curtis Media